Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Michael Mano Mivable, Marina Vermillion, Astrid Gustafsson, Greg O'Neill, Robert Crouchley, Scott Shanks. Corey Trickler, Chunk Tusk, Elizabeth Brook, Catherine Waltz, Jason Scully Clemens, Bobby Parker, Distant Eggsong, E. Forney, Lavon Staley, Deborah Lewis, Kelly Willis, Jesse Fife, JRA, Nicole Chrisholm. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Rusty Quill and take a look at our rewards. Welcome to the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. I'm your host and GM, Alex Newell, and with me today I have... Lydia Nicholas and Helen Gould. We're, we're a little light on people today. You're having such lovely, crazy mix-ups over this break. It, we're like, having like, completely different permutations. Groups and arrangements. So yeah. great fun. But yeah, um, we're going to be doing our Q&A for this season, so technically I, I kind of hesitate. I'm not really a GM, I'm just here mm. having a chat. Mm. A nice friend. Yeah, nice! Managing. <laughs> So we are going to start answering some questions. I am we honestly we will. Anil has collect, collated them all together. A few of them you might notice if your specific question isn't answered, it might have been asked quite a lot. So it's been sort of smooshed in things like that. But we've tried to address as many as we can. The hive mind has been efficient. Yeah. So one of them that came up a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot. I'm going to start with the sort of general questions. So okay. they don't really have a big specific thing. Uh, one that we've had to narrow down, so we took the wording from Bitter Cape. Alex, why? Also, <laughs> why? 
Uh, to answer that one, because secretly you all want it, even if you think you don't. <laughs> which is a horrific answer, but <laughs> drama, <laughs> because drama. Oh, want some? <laughs> you want some? <laughs> you love it. Oh, you love an emotional conversation <laughs> and the ramifications thereof. Oh. oh, no, they would, but we don't give them it. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. But yeah, in, in fairness... A lot of the questions were that, and it's because the world needed a kick up the bum, and that was the way to do it. Tied to that is, will the future after Rusty Quill Gaming involve another AP podcast? So this was actually the first time in this series that we mentioned that this is season four? Yeah. Yeah, season four is going to be the last season for the podcast. Two things that are worth mentioning on that one is, one, take in mind that we do specials as well, so that means that the end of this is quite a long way off in real time it's probably like a year realistically something like that at, it's least. at least a year for season exactly three, so, so I'm, I'm thinking at least that uh in terms of whether it would involve another ap podcast categorically there's no version of this where we end this show and do not have something that will have the same appeal for the same audiences available like we're not intending of just we don't do anything with gaming anymore one of the ideas on the table is to do another AP podcast. However, there are other things that we are looking at. I'm not going to dive into what they are. Suffice it to say, yes, we are going to do stuff that involves gaming beyond the end of this show. It's just but... going to be Ben screaming Pathfinder <laughs> down a mic. Well, the thing is, is we, we gives established... people the emotional hit, Alex. It gives them the torture that they're looking for, and it's also Pathfinder. And Ben doing it in different voices. Sort yeah, that's of, the yeah. thing. Is yeah. Ultimately, I might just get him to... <laughs> so we're doing oh, the thing where we we, uh, we mock Ben while he's not here again. Yeah! I mean, it's, 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 it's how we roll, right? So, next question's from Your Sad Toast. Good name. Uh, is there any way Alex can make this more of an emotional roller coaster for the party? Um, given that we've recorded a good chunk of the start of the next season, oh, would you say that is more emotional roller coaster? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I actually think that those episodes yeah. have more emotion smooshed in than the end of this season. This one had a lot of mm-hmm. events yes. and plot, and it's but not the much start- of us reacting. Exactly, to them. the yeah. start of the next season is very much on the emotion side. So I'm actually think people are gonna respond to that more this next question is from Faye gregory and also cardvark and a few other people as well are we going to be seeing more cameos from other rusty quill performers in the rusty quill gaming podcast either in npcs or as player one-off specials Ooh, well one. i wonder if we will would you like to answer feel free to answer honestly because it won't it won't really matter that we're getting ahead of it we've got people coming in this afternoon yes I we, we do we oh, have yeah. we have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really forgot. Oh, I look Helen's I can... like oh it's such a mystery <laughs> Yes, Helen. I can only focus on one thing at a time. In about an hour. Yes. Uh, But yeah, plenty more. Plenty, plenty more. So And the specials that that haven't come out yet, right? Yeah, there's like three. We we actually have some that we recorded months ago that should be coming out next the week after. No, they'll come before this. Which will have just come out. So this question's kind of been preempted. Mm. Anyway. (laughs) Next question is from Playfully Evil. Previously, Alex mentioned a questionnaire that you gave out to players as a way of creating characters and backstories. What are some of those questions? Yeah, I am happy to tell you some of the questionnaire. I'm not going to go through all of it because it'll take ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna. I've got it here with me. So. Surprise, surprise! When admin meets it's story development, <laughs> when admin meets story development, Alex thrives. I shine like a beacon in the night. Yeah. It was a very, very long piece to do. <laughs> so there's obvious stuff, which is appearance, which has breakdowns, is like a bunch of aspects of it. Key equipment. The reason I asked for that one is less like what are you carrying around than by key equipment. It's encouraging people 
people to say things that matter to them. Not mm. like, oh, I've got these metal shoes. It's more like, my father gave me this pendant, which <laughs> echoes with the cries of... Oh, I don't know. It's very hard to sneak while carrying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, per- personality stuff. So as much detail in that as possible. And by that, I mean things like, are they uh, aggressive, not aggressive, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Big big broad strokes things, not really minutia. After that, I go into key backstory. So the ones that I find most useful are key dramatic question is one that people uh, don't often ask, but I find really useful. Do you want to explain what that is? Because I, I Absolutely. Had to so key yeah. dramatic question, the best one I can give you is Star Wars. Will Luke Skywalker uh, go out, seize his destiny and become like the person that he was born to be? It's That's mm. the coming of age one, but yeah. it the more specific it is, is the better, but it is... What thing does this character need to to, to sort of fully actualise, I suppose, is the posh way of putting it? Mm. And how does that translate into the real world? So it's things like coming-of-age stories are easy. I need to grow up to be the person that I want to be. What act or achievement will allow them to do that? So, like, a lot of sport films are actually a coming-of-age film where if they just win that match, then they come of age. So that's a very obvious dramatic question. Will Bob... You know, win the championship and in so doing his father's approval and blah, 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 like whatever. Will, no, he shouldn't. Will the non-entity dude succeed in quest and therefore receive free conventionally attractive woman? (laughs) (laughs) A very, very popular dramatic question, yes. Um, So other things that I do is I insist everyone has an occupation. You can have the occupation mercenary, but everyone has to have had an occupation because otherwise how did you live? And it affects people's view on the world. Uh, Societal standing, so are you like very, very posh? Are you noble? Are you down at the gutter? Or are you anywhere in between? It doesn't need to be like, I am middle class and anything that trivial, but you need to have some way to key them into the sort of socioeconomic structure. Yeah. Um, I ask for associated characters, at least three. So these are things where, I mean, for, for a lot of you guys, they've mostly been sort of, um, you know, ammunition. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, effectively tie them into the world with actual people. Yep. Other than that, I give place of origin and place that they reside or have spent most of their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion, are they religious or are they not? If so, why? Uh, one that's very useful is motive for adventuring. That one has to be answered. Not necessarily yes. the same as the dramatic question. It's like um, why needing are you doing money, <laughs> yeah. I have a death wish, like whatever, but there has to be a reason for you to function in this team as mm-hmm. well. And that helps just head off a few things. Other ones that I find very useful, I mean, for this campaign specifically, are they pro or anti-meritocratic? But for broader stuff, what's their greatest fear? What's their greatest hope? Primary ambition, primary regret. Uh, what's the worst thing they've ever done? The best thing they've ever done? And a secret that nobody knows. So those, I don't remember all of those. Yeah, I, I actually do. have them all for Sasha and for Azu and everything. Yeah. Uh, after that, I asked for a, a biography which has like a timeline in it. But those are the real core questions that I make sure I have answers to because mm-hmm. that means that I know how to structure story around that character. Yeah, really, really useful for like general stories as well, not just gaming. I think we have it pinned on the Discord somewhere, but I may have to ask Anil about that. But we, I think we have that somewhere for people to use for themselves. Like, I'm happily open about that. The Bee Holding asks... It's a big question I might have to boil Just down a little bit. make it sound like there's a creature with a swarm. <laughs> that, that's how it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> Double E. Um, so we all joke that Alex is a monster, but there's a big difference between, oh no, that's unexpected drama and mild to moderate peril, versus you have betrayed our trust as a creator. How do I toe the line between he's a monster and we respect his craft? Which is actually a good Ooh. way of phrasing the question. Interestingly, I don't really know... <laughs> Um, I, I like this is so this has come up in my Twitter feed recently people ask me questions I say I don't know and they're like oh you do though don't you secretly you're just hiding it's like sometimes I don't for this one specifically it's because I care more about 
the story and the narrative than I do both about what people think of me often, but also what players think of the story move I made. So to be clear, that doesn't mean I would ever do a story move that I think violates a player or their character. I wouldn't do something that's like, ha, punishment. But at the same time, my job is to serve the story and make sure that I don't lose people's sort of faith along the way. It's mm. not my job to make sure that every single person thinks I'm the coolest ever. But also in terms of it is, you summed up in the question, don't betray people's trust. Yeah. Um, if you tell people that you're going to be telling one type of story and then you actually make it another type of story, you've either got to do a very gradual transition and people can see it coming. Mister, or... this will be the fun, pulpy season right here. <laughs> There's time travel! Look at him sitting there with his fun, pulpy hat on. But it wasn't fun he... time travel. Oh, I get it now. What he meant was fun for him and beating us into a pulp. <laughs> There you go. Like I said, how do I tread the line? I don't. I really, really mm. don't. Mostly I just don't pick a fight with both fictional people that don't exist and with my players. Right. And I think also um, you check in with us. Oh, like, frequently. When, when, yeah, so I think that's a really important thing to point out to make if, sure people know. Last question, which is Gilligan Mungus. <laughs> out of interest, and for those of you that are willing to share, Ooh. what are your day jobs or what field do you work in? Mm. Oh, hey. Oh, that is actually quite interesting. Okay. Again, I won't answer for Ben and Bryn um, because they're not here and they haven't said, oh, I'm fine. Like, they haven't seen that question, so I won't yeah. answer for them. That's actually now a very different question. So I'm a freelancer. Um, I am mostly a editor. An editor, I should say. Gosh, I'm getting my grammar wrong even while I'm talking about it. <laughs> I'm a <Hey>, grammar. <laughs> Edit good. Me and Mike make right good better. Yeah, I do I do the words. I'm an editor. I also have a Patreon where I do my fiction and poetry. I also speak occasionally. She's amazing. Like um, You like, are actually a very good public speaker. You might even have seen this because I actually had a talk of mine go a little bit viral because I talked at this th this convention called EasterCon and I talked about racism in sci-fi and fantasy and how yeah. unconscious and implicit biases need to be recognised before you do anything. And people really liked it and like actual blue tick people occasionally. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, the blue ticks know of me. Um, Although when you refer to so them yeah. as the blue ticks, they sound more like a plague. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's that be means... honest. <laughs> Some, there are certain, certain corners, but... Um, yeah, that's what I do. Mostly it's about writing things. I, as any of you that follow me on Twitter, know I am a, a technology anthropologist. So I go around telling people how to make tech work better for humans. Sometimes I get to shout directly at the government about that. My current project, uh, I'm working at a little think tank called Dot Everyone, and I've been working on a thing called Better Care Systems, where I work with disabled and older adults trying to get their ideas and views on what they want from the future of the care sector, and mm. then developing films and stories and policy and activism around that. So that's that's one thing. Uh, generally, anything health tech related. I have actually had some consultancy offers via Rusty Quill stuff, where people have heard me. Oh, yeah. talking about stuff and then they get in contact uh like so basically if you like if you're interested in genetic technology privacy concerns government tech that's the sort of thing i do also do a bit of public speaking yes do a bit of and that. you're also very good hey <laughs> just the words good you know order. what hey, i'm gonna give you some contrast what do i do this yeah <laughs> yeah but this is really hard but this it is, is hard but at the moment this is basically all that i do so uh, yeah, but this is really 
really hard. I, and you're, you're always doing it. Yeah. So I, I work significantly more than full time, but I do so um, in, entirely on the company. I, I genuinely don't really have any time to do any side stuff. So this is it. In the last 12 months, I swapped to... I run a company what makes stories. Pretty cool. It's weird. Pretty, really cool. It's very, very cool. But it's very simple to explain. There you go. Well, (laughs) it does all the business stuff, the tax things. And the GM things. And like... Builds studios. You have to describe what podcasting is. You do all the talking to other people. You know what? I have to explain what a podcast is less these days. That's nice. Yeah. Okay, I am going to jump onto the next section. Now, the okay. next section is a lot of questions sort of for the GM side. Okay. So I'm going to try and rattle through them as quickly as I can so that people aren't just sat watching me answer questions. As fun I, as that I, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's <laughs> <tea> break. <laughs> so, Alex, I get that you're having a lot of fun building the world and running the game. I'm waiting for... But... Yeah. Oh, but... Uh, do I ever feel isolated in terms of all the players and the fans as well? Speak and joke like they're on the same team and I'm the antagonist, uh, even if just due to the fact that I'm putting in so much work and others just play. Oh, in honey. Me, me and Ellen literally had a conversation about this last night where we were just like, but we can't discuss spoilers with people. How does Alex cope? How does so, he cope with all the plot in his head forever, for years? So, there's, so I would say sometimes, yes, it can be isolating, but... The antagonism is something that I have deliberately cultivated because... <laughs> okay, all right. Your I, feel, sadness, I feel less sad. Your sadness is success. Because, <laughs> because it's useful for people to have a villain. Also, mm. if you're going to rail against the fates, it makes it better to know that the fates do have it in for you. Um, but also more than that, it's that a lot of times that idea of the the GM as the enemy is a very traditional idea. And one of the things is, years ago, bear in mind this, I decided that... I was going to do that in a way that wasn't problematic, unlike mm. every other time I've seen it done, yeah. where the GM as enemy is inevitably like you guys are at loggerheads and hating one another. And it's just like, it doesn't need to be that. I can take the bit of that, that I like. Mm. So I lean into it. Honestly, I'm not actually that horrible a person as I like to come across. <laughs> no, you're actually um, very sweet. Another question from the same user. Quick one. What's the most annoyed or surprised in a not necessarily positive sense I've been at the characters? Alternatively, what is the most annoyed you've been at the dice? Ways that I've been annoyed by characters. Bertie driving Zolf away was probably the biggest yeah. one. Because if I was writing this story, mm. I would not have allowed that to happen. Like, if it was a novel, Zolf would have stayed, Bertie would have left. Mm. And that was jarring because I knew that Bertie was going to outstay his welcome. Mm. So Zolf left when people wanted him, when he was just starting to open up. And then it was like, great, and now I've got Bertie, and I know that all I've done really is by myself a certain amount of time and um, I've kicked the problem down the road. I don't like doing that. When have I been annoyed at the dice for Sages. every single boss fight ever? <laughs> oh, the Every single boss fight. I was so ready to <gasps> petrify someone. I had all this stuff ready. I was like, ha, 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 ha. right, okay. Um, <laughs> there is a question about that later, so I won't go into too much. Oh my gosh. Uh, Kate0229 asks, how do I do my research? Do I have a process? Yes and no. I do not research nearly as much as I would like, entirely due to time constraints running the rest of the company. Uh, used to be I had a lot more time. So the way that I do it is I pick a location and then I dive into that location with Shocker, Wikipedia and anything that I can find online where like I start with key points of interest. Oh, that's obscure and interesting. 
pull, dig, dig, dig. So honestly, I'll pick a location. I'll look for pertinent things that have happened there. I'll also pick a few famous historical characters. Shocker. And look into key points of their history, see if there's any overlap. I'll then just do a dive. I don't look for, I need to know this. I need to know this. I will just pick a random direction in the research and just take a wander through a load of facts and then pick up the bits that I find interesting. Mm. I, I don't find setting a research goal in this kind of storytelling works mm. because I end up with a lot of data that I don't use. I mean, it's like if you click <coughs> enough links on Wikipedia, eventually you get to philosophy. It, it, right? No matter yeah. what you do. Um, so ultimately, it's... I, 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 I <laughs> let, Actually, that makes this world make a lot more sense. <laughs> I let interest lead me because the things that I'm interested in are the things that my brain are most likely to throw up when I'm reacting to what players are throwing out as well. I don't know if that's useful, but that's certainly how I work. Another one from Bittercape. Uh, what's my prep for the NPCs? Do I use background questions as for the P PCs? No, actually. Um, so with the NPCs, here's me. I'm being, I'm decided to be a lot more honest in this one. Ooh, we like Ooh. it. This is what happens when Alex gets sleep. I yeah. will pick a famous historical figure or a figure that has to be in this world. Some of the time I'll be like, okay, they will have to have some characteristics to be this person. And then I'll either run with it or Jailer with Zolf deliberately invert it. Jailers have to be mean and keep people in line. Make them lovely. That was easy. Aww. Done. For the famous historical characters, I'll tend to look quickly at their biography and rather than look at how people describe them, I will, without looking at that deliberately, go what I think that person might be like based on their history. But based on the needs of the story. So if I need them to be a not likable character, I will read their sort of biography quickly in the least flattering light per possible and be like, well, that would make them really angry and really aggressive or blah, blah, blah. Mm. If I need them to be a nice person, you just flip it. Read that story and be like, well, that could make them very forgiving in certain blah, 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 and go like that. But the last thing is play the character that the players think they're talking to. Ah. If you listen to Initial Einstein, <laughs> Initial Einstein's very dismissive. Mm. He's very aloof. And also he's he's quite he plays quite high status. Mm. But the more that people engage with him, the more you take what the players want from that character and you just run with it. Wild originally has changed a lot and most of that has been in reaction to players as much as anything <laughs> else. And that doesn't mean always give players what they want. For Wild, everyone was like, oh, I hate Wild. I went, great. I have one job, make Wild sympathetic no matter how long it takes. Yeah, you actually did do that. But it was yeah. stuff like that. This question is from Hioskiamas. The neat house rule of adding scars or permanent marks when a character's knocked unconscious. Would a certain amount of scarring eventually reduce a character's charisma stat? Hard no. Scars are cool. They're sexy. There mm. is nothing more charismatic than a good scar mm. because it means that they've got a story to tell mm. and that they've lived an interesting life. Yeah. So I, I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> the more scarred they are, the more charisma. And also it's important to differentiate, and this comes up a lot, charisma is not attractiveness. Yeah. Mm. You can have a very, very unattractive character. And for instance, in a game I play for fun, I deliberately play a character who's actually quite ugly. But what they are is very intimidating so that's a high charisma character, but they're not they're not mm. attractive and they're not particularly nice, mm. but you can still play that. Charisma is about using force of uh, personality and how people perceive that person to get things done. It is not how sexy you are. <laughs> and even if it was, scars are sexy. Yeah. I remember uh, Bryn saying that um, he initially tried to play Hamid as being like yeah. a handsome, dashing one. And then he was just cute. He but just turned into cute. But yeah. cute and adorable is yeah. still a high charisma yeah, character yeah, yeah. because he uses it now to get things done. Yeah. 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 But he had to find his way to that because he kind of wanted James Bond. Yeah. And he didn't end up with James Bond. Gosh, but who does he? Does it, it, Hamid's <laughs> arc is sort of someone that thinks he's James Bond to and eventually realizes, becoming. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah it's, 
thinks he's James Bond, realises he isn't James yeah. Bond, accidentally becomes James yeah, Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alex, has anyone ever tried to peek at <laughs> your notes? <laughs> Is that really what someone's written? Yeah. Have you ever had to change the questions because See, someone... this right here is why it hasn't been a problem. <laughs> a, no one can read upside down. Yeah. Uh, this is from Zephrix. Uh, no, it's not been a problem. Uh, honestly, it's never really been an issue. I should. I don't even use a GM screen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't even separate out the info. I just go, please don't look at this. And people don't, yeah. but people are very courteous. Yeah. Occasionally, people. there's been a couple of times where Ben, because he's next to me immediately, will glance down and be like, stop it. And he'll go, I, I, I didn't even realise that I was. But mm. really, no, it's, it's never been a problem. So I think we'll take our break there. And then when we come back, it'll be questions for players only, not Ooh. the GM. Ooh. Very maybe exciting. We can, maybe we could put like a towel over Alex's <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome back. Hello. So, questions for players. <laughs> back where things should be. You all do the entertaining and I'll just make sure things work. I oh, know the pressure. So, from... I've never known how to say this user's name. Snorks Fox? <laughs> Snow Fox. Snow Fox! That's how I pronounce it in my head, yeah. Okay, so Snow Fox asks, for everyone who's willing to answer, what does your character have for maxed out powers? As in, what's your dream for their OP, like, epic level god version of them? Sasha has been saving up for the Cloak of the Bats for a very long time because her OP version is Batman, essentially. <laughs> How about you, Helen? Because yes. I don't know yours. Very excited. Yours didn't come up in backstory. We covered different stuff, so I don't know. Yeah, so what would I want her to be? I think she would set up some kind of temple. She would make a place of like refuge. <gasps> Like Professor X, but without, <laughs> oh, but without the manipulation. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and she will go out and like find people in trouble and be like, you can come and stay with me if you want. Clever. And yeah, yes, that'd work. That's what she'll be. Uh, I'm happy to say Brins because I know his and he's not hidden it. He becomes an actual dragon. <laughs> an actual dragon. He'll keep saying that. Yeah. Ben, I don't know, so I won't answer for it. He's got too many characters. Well, right, there is that. Oh, they all just they become like Voltron. <laughs> they all become one. Elias is in there as of course, well. And course. David Seveny is a very <laughs> they weird They just Voltron. Voltron into a really horrific but wonderful character. Oh, fantastic. That plays every status simultaneously. <laughs> um, Follow on question from Snow Fox. Mm-hmm. Quick fire. What are the character's favourite cake flavours? Sasha, uh, go. Eel. <laughs> Azu, go. Red velvet. And I don't know for the other two, so I can't answer. I wouldn't dare to go out on a limb. So this one, another one's from Enalert. The characters seem to be mostly willing to risk and sacrifice their own life to save one another's. Are you as players afraid for your characters to die? Are you more afraid that one of the other characters will die? And I have an answer prepared for Ben on that one. Mm. Um, would you like me to read that one first? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us time to think. So Ben <laughs> says, personally, he's not at all scared that Grizzop will die, as long as it's narratively satisfying. Mm. Uh, to me, as in to Ben, characters are vessels through which the story's told, not their own independent thing. I actually see eye to eye with Ben on that one. So if the story calls for Grizzop to die, then that's fine by me. As for other characters, he's most worried about Azu dying because the audience has had the least amount of time with her, which means she's had the least development up to this point. Pretty much I see eye to eye with Ben on that one, actually. Characters serve story, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. But you two, what do you think? While I agree with that, I have always wanted Sasha to have a good end. And I don't mean like a good end like she's happy ever after, though that's one good end. Like I want if there's a death for it to be satisfying and impactful. I I don't quite agree with Ben on that about characters just serving the story because we've had to spend so much time with these characters. Just the way that I prefer to play is I only feel able to engage with interesting emotional problems if they're things that I can connect to. So characters always reflect some kind of feeling or understanding or ideas or experiences that I've had, even if it's in a really Really certified way or a really abstracted way. Like, don't worry, I was not kept in a basement for my childhood. (laughs) But that means that I do become fond of them and I do have hopes for them Helen same question um, I'm even further along the scale actually because for me there is no story without the characters at all for me the interesting thing is always what the characters are doing in reaction mm. to the story and that's how I do my writing as well like I whenever I start to write something I barely ever have a plot in mind yeah yeah <laughs> I just I often start just like with some dialogue um, and have two people talking but am I scared of Azu dying and scared is not the right word petrified <laughs> <laughs> I will be sad if Azu dies, particularly if she dies soon, because there is a lot more to her that I would really love to explore. And I think that Mm. she has some character development going on. And I want to, I want to see, uh, what was it you you said? A pivot point. Yeah, yeah. I want to get through that and have her change. And maybe if she's going to die, I want it to be like a noble sacrifice. Follow up question. Have any of you ever yelled at me for real after a recording ended? No. No, no. I don't think so. I don't I've... yell at people anyway. Sometimes raise, like, sometimes I just do like... Mm. <laughs> nice, lovely question for you both from oh. Jess Cat. Starts as more of a comment. Just <laughs> wanted to thank you for having female characters who aren't defined by their femaleness. Oh, yeah. Really good well. point. I mean, Azu is pink. (laughs) But that's not because she's a woman. (laughs) I I was wondering, was this a conscious choice or a coincidence? Do you have any advice for campaigns that are seeking to do the same? I don't think it was conscious because we are women ourselves and we don't define ourselves by that. So why would we define Yeah, it feels very much like a question you would ask a male writer, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) we're, We're busy ladies that have lots of dimensions to us, so it wasn't hard making characters that were. I will say it was harder when it was just one woman in a room with four guys. I agree. And I had a rule that Sasha, like back then, I could might as well reveal now, I basically had a rule about Sasha not dating anyone. And there was sometimes incidents when there could have been flirting. I was just like, that's just not going to, that's not going to happen. Partly for the character's sake, that's not something she would do in that situation, but also because that is not something I'm interested in exploring in this room. Do you have any advice for campaigns that Uh are seeking to do this Play with good people and genuinely, and I know this might sound sad, but there have been, I can't remember which writer, and they were a woman, uh, said this about how in order to get over their own internalised misogyny, they would sometimes write their characters 
initially as male and then flip the gender and make whatever changes like were necessary or that mm. kind of felt natural then do it it's it's okay to sometimes have to like or sometimes draw on that tool i think if you want to be a writer or um a, a gm who is progressive it's constantly going to be a process of unlearning stuff because mm. your defaults are the ones that are being programmed into you mm. by um I'm not going to say the whole thing. Well, maybe yeah. white supremacist heteropatriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Defeat it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I actually do in my games is I um, I change gender each game I'm in. So in the Grant game we're running right now, I'm a dude. And in this one, I'm a lady. And then the next one I do after this, I'm going to be a dude again, sure. you know? And actually now I'm thinking about the differences between those characters. And that's very interesting for me. But I, can't, I won't go into that. Azu, it's interesting how you how you bring up like the romantic thing. Because I was always like, I would love for Azu to yeah. I would like that. I but think that would be really lovely. I, it's genuinely different now that there are like... I'm not the only woman in the room. Yeah, and, no, it, and really tangibly different. And I really? was, I was yeah, like, even so. though I was working with like the most self-conscious and positive and progressive sort of group of gamers that also knew that they had an audience. Yeah, like in the room, even here, like there's just like there's a slight change in atmosphere. Just like we like in one of the first jokes, like, we, like the first ones you hear, just like oh, I know, it's just, yeah. just like, it got filthy. It got That's what changed. It, it got, got filthy. Got, <laughs> because we can talk yeah, about it. We can yeah. talk about it, and like, and then the boys feel that they can make jokes about boyish things, <laughs> like in part because they're not worried that I'll be excluded. Yeah, like, it genuinely like balance and diversity is better for literally everyone all the time. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to jump on to the next question. Sure. Follow on one from Eggs, which um, ties in, but it's a very good question, actually, is what advice do you have for someone who's wanting to play a tabletop game who isn't as well-spoken? We all come from a theatrical background, and this person uh, struggles speaking in that kind of context. Mm. Uh, do you have any tips on how to come up with responses quick, on the spot, whilst keeping them sort of in-character and sensible? I'd like to preface this before we even start answering, which is don't aim to do it like this mm. for a start. Yeah. This is not normal gaming please don't set this as a yeah. goal yeah you've got to realize that this is a performance yeah. if you were like um, this in a normal gaming group people go yeah what's up with this person yeah. like it comes across so quite, intense, it, com yeah. Yeah, it comes across very weird and if we trip over our words it gets cut and we yes. trip over them a lot, a lot. Like, this, we is fully, yeah. this is a fully edited stuff. show so yeah. we're not what is received at the other end yeah, yeah, yeah. we're really not I think my one bit of advice is find people to play with that you trust Yeah, because it is very possible to for instance play a high charisma character without talking much you can draw focus without using jokes and, and also like don't worry about seeming awkward or not perfect because other people are probably just as worried about this I agonise over the choices in the, in the mm. game like we're yeah, we we worry a lot, don't we? I absolutely agree. Like the main thing is <laughs> to find a good group, and if you get a good group and a good GM, then everything will be fine, mm. basically. And um, I can offer a very, very quick and easy thing to try implementing next term as like a a short term win mm. that you can do, especially bizarrely if you if you're having trouble sort of thinking up stuff on the spot. Stop trying to, mm. and instead of thinking, I need to be good and clever and think of something on the spot, spend 100% of your attention on really listening and paying attention to what the other people are saying 
because a lot of the time coming up with the good, cool thing to say up on the spot isn't actually you mm. spending the time to prep and come up with something good and cool. It's about you really listening and paying attention to what other people are saying so yeah. that then it just is obvious to you. When you're yeah. under pressure to come up with something good, you won't come up with something good. When you're like, I don't really care if I come up with something good, I'm just going to pay attention to other people, mm. often it will present itself. And that's mm. that's what I use most. Yeah. Here's a final one from Eggs, a nice, quick, easy one. Can we have some more cats in the campaign, please? Yes, I haven't put enough cats in this campaign. That is an astute observation and something that I will work on. There should be more cats in this campaign. Good. On to the final question for players, although it's one that I'm putting on to players because I can't remember because I'm juggling both <laughs> timelines in the real world and a fictional world and I've started to lose track. Oh my gosh. At this stage, so at the end of this season, what level are the characters? I just got level eight. Helen, question for you specifically oh from gosh. Penny Dreadful. How did you decide on who Azu was as an orc, paladin of Aphrodite, etc.? What has been your favourite part of playing her? So how did you decide that character and what's your favourite bit? Um, I wanted to play an orc. Yep, that was like, you um, opened with that. Yeah, I that was, I was like, I want to, because I have a thing about playing big, strong characters. Yep. I just like a large person. <laughs> I like to stomp around and like lift heavy things. Um, Paladin, because I thought that would be one of the easier classes for me to play because it isn't it doesn't have that many spells and also you can hit stuff. And I don't think I knew that Grizzop was a paladin. Because I think I tried to say to Alex, what would be the best one for me to play? And Alex was just like, just choose, just choose one. It'll be fine. We'll we'll find a way to make it work. So I was like, okay, I want to be a paladin. Because <laughs> originally you were like, oh, I, I could be, I, I want to hit things. And it's like, cool, that narrows it down to not a wizard Um, and then after that yeah it was homing in a little little bit yeah um, the pink was just because I associate pink with Aphrodite so do I actually yeah oh yes and also something to mention so all of my characters are black because I am black and um, I want everyone in all the games I am to know that there is a black character in the room. Um, so that's why she was from Kenya as well. And also, I think it fitted in with your world building because you're it like the heading really, towards... really. I was actually really happy with that yeah. because it was something that would not have had chance to come up because I could see the way people were playing. They wouldn't go off for a wonder for a while. Yeah. And also, like Kenya, like I've been there. Um, I'm from the Gambia, which is way more on the west coast, but yeah. I have at least been to Kenya and I've seen what it's like and I've been around because um, I didn't want to just say I'm from Uganda and then not know anything about what that's like sure. um what's the last bit of the question was it uh, what's your favorite bit of the things that you've picked for azu my favorite bit is the wailing axe <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah <laughs> topaz, we can see like just walking off in the distance crying <laughs> i love topaz very much so this one's from alexandra helen for you specifically oh, okay. we will get on to then questions for ben and questions for lydia oh, no, uh, none for Bryn specifically <gasps> he's gonna be so hurt <laughs> <laughs> so question for you helen last one is when you listen to summary of past events, was there anything that made you think it would have been real fun to have Azu there or possibly events where you were glad that Azu wasn't there during particularly horrible encounters because it wouldn't have gone well? I'm just happy she never met Bertie. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I, that wouldn't have worked. I, I, I actually wouldn't have allowed them to. Yeah, I just, I don't know what would have happened. I wouldn't, I think there would have been some some fisticuffs. Like, oh, categorically, what, what like, would have ended up happening is that one of you would have left. Yeah. Like that's that's the shakeout. If both of you try to put those characters in the same place at the same time, I've just said no. Yeah. yeah. It work. Also, the airship sounds like it was fun for some of it. The same question's been asked for Ben, presumably about Grizzop. So I have his answer here. I might paraphrase because it's fulsome. <laughs> um given the state of mind that Zolf was in when he left, he would have dealt with it badly. Uh, as for how Grizzop may have dealt with some of the situations that Zolf found him in. 
it's hard to predict because so much of the character's done at the moment, so we mm. can't really tell how Grizzard would respond. Um, however, given that so many of the situations that Zolf found himself in were due to personal things, sailing the channel, meeting Mr. Sealing, etc., he's not sure how it would translate to Grizzop. Um I know he'd have been much less bothered by or more willing to just get rid of Bertie from the get-go. <laughs> just assassinate him. Question for Ben. I can give a quick one, but actually refers to both of us. So does Vizik use they pronouns or is it just a case if we haven't had the time to really describe their character yet? Uh, on that note, can we get a physical description? I'm going to read Ben's answer and then I'm going to weigh in myself on that one. Uh, in the pre-written backstory, Vasik had a he pronoun, but since he garbled a line, uh, Ben garbled a line, and Alex only referenced them as they, it's perfectly valid for people to decide that they use the they pronouns. As far as I can remember, nothing we've yet recorded has contradicted that, so, you know, go for it. He says that uh, he thinks that's a really great thing for the character to do, but he doesn't want to take credit for writing that in because he didn't. Mm. Um, as for a physical description, he he doesn't have that much. Smaller than Grizzop because Grizzop is huge as far as Goblin's concerned. Very true. <laughs> He's a very big Goblin and less wiry, but they're from a completely different clutch and I know more about general Goblin physiology. So he defers to me. Uh, answer that question right now, Alex. Thanks, no worries. <laughs> um, so to answer the physical description first, the Seek I always have in my head as a deep green but like a mucky kind of green rather than mm. it being like a luminous green and so on. Like a jumper. Um, heavier set than Grizzop, but a lot shorter and with um, a lot of quite hairy ears. I don't know why, Aww. but that's something I always imagine. Quite hairy ears, because goblins don't have a lot of hair, but hairy ears. <laughs> and in terms of the they pronoun, <laughs> it's actually really interesting that someone picked up on this because, yeah, Ben's right. He did garble a line and I didn't want to tread on any toes, but then I just mentally flicked the switch Mm. So as far as I'm aware, yeah, I've just been using they since. It began yeah. as a, I didn't want to get it wrong, mm. but now I've totally internalised that. Yep. So if Ben's okay with it, Vasik will use the they pronoun yep. because like I said, like I, I did a very quick switch flip and now it's there, yep. in my head at least, personally. Canon! Vasik is, is <laughs> Literally canon. they and because I make the thing, I guess they are. Canon! Yeah. Word um, of the universe, God, yeah. Lastly, questions for Lydia only. Oh dear. From Firebird, as someone with several chronic illnesses, I wanted to congratulate Lydia on the soul-crushing brilliance of her acting during Sasha's Undead arc. How much did you and Alex plan that out and how far in advance? Was it hard for you to play someone going through that? Uh, we didn't plan it. Nope. No, uh, and it wasn't that hard because at the time I was quite ill. I'm really glad that it like, worked. That other people yeah. took something from it because it's like a weird thing. <laughs> don't get much chronic illness rep in heroics <laughs> unless it's an arrow to the knee and that's been done to death yeah, yeah. another question from snow fox still for lydia uh if at the end of season three sasha could go back in time to the start of season one why would you do more time travel uh back in time to the start of season one and have a season one chat with sasha what would future sasha tell past sasha Oh. I don't think she'd be able to say much because all the lessons Sasha has learned are things that have to be experienced. Mm. Like you can tell someone, oh, that person is worthy of trust, but that doesn't mean... That, that doesn't equate can, to yeah, trust. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't mean that you will then trust, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, it's definitely opposite, a yeah. trick, and this isn't future Sasha, this is someone pretending to be future <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> yeah. So you, the, the, the logical conclusion is to stab them. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. God, yeah, that would definitely be what happened. I mean, that would be an interesting fight to watch. Okay, but... e an easy one for you then. Easy one for you to round it out. From Lucille. <laughs> What is Sasha's scar from the exploding ice dagger? Oh, um, she's got a cold left hand that has a kind of 
like I see it like an ice burn. Mm. Sure. Which weirdly in my head looks more like a lightning scarf. Okay. So we're going to go on with some story questions at this point. So these are ones, a lot of these might be pitched a bit more towards me, but at the same time, some of them are kind of how characters are interacting with the story and so on. So I don't think it's just going to be the Alex time. But <laughs> first, first one is, first one is, from Planets and Magic, Alex, I was wondering what inspired you to create this world in the simulacrum? For the players, is there any aspect of the world you're all especially interested in learning more about? I went to see um, one of the mechanism shows, which was Oedipus Dies at Dawn or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Ulysses oh Dies Ulysses, at Dawn. Sorry, Oedipus. You're just oh. piling fuel on the go, it's all connected here fire. So, so Ulysses mm. Dies at Dawn was the first mechanism show that I saw. And mm. I went, ooh, that's interesting. I like that. Combined with, I was literally just digging around on TV tropes, bored in my horrendous night job that I used to do. And about 3.30am, when everything was going to hell, I stumbled on uh, the TV, t- TV tropes page for Dungeon Punk as a specific genre. Oh my gosh. My. And then I was We've like... We've been living in a TV trope <laughs> And then I was like, oh, years. great. I didn't know there was a word for that. And then I remember, I remember in that moment, two things clicking together and going... Dungeon Punk version of Ulysses Dies at Dawn could be quite fun. And that was genuinely the first thought I had for this campaign. So there you go. That's that's where it genuinely started from, because I remember the moment those two disparate things clonked together. There is one thing to mention, though, which is you cannot overestimate how much the story as it is now is different from the story as originally conceived. It's been so reactive to uh, all of the players and making things focus in on the bits that they're interested in mm. that some of the superficial flavour of the original idea might be kicking around. That's about it. But that does lead me on to, is there any aspect of the world you're especially interested in learning more about? You mentioned that there are huge monsters in Russia. I have mentioned that before, yes. I do like a big monster. Just just enormous. Just, like Pacific Rim... That would oh, great. See, here's, the, here's the sad thing is, I, again, I, I built the story world with certain bits depending on how players reacted and so mm. on. Unfortunately, because of where you're at in the story now, you'll never, I don't really think you're ever going to get the chance to go full Pacific Rim, but I want you to know it was on the cards. It was that on the cards. That doesn't make it better. Anything for Lid? I'm interested in how, say, America is different without colonialism. Mm. Uh, I, like, possibly, I, I know that you've said as well that, like, 80 Days, Meg Giant's 80 Days has been a bit of an inspiration. Absolutely, and that was one of the things that plugged in very early. In a similar sort of way, like, I'm interested in seeing the areas outside Europe. I would have loved to see, like, how is Africa different in a way where it seems like, say, Southeast Asia and Africa are vaguely under the meritocratic influence but not as directly controlled that's a fair it's a fair it's a fair statement so mm. maybe they have a completely different sort of heritage and and sort of present than is yeah. but that's the sort of thing that i i look for in like speculative fiction i'm just like okay i want to i want to delve into cultures um okay i'm going to jump onto another one which is a fun one for reasons um <laughs> this is from nostri are elves actually really rare in this game world or is it just a coincidence of play that we've only seen two full-blooded elves during the entire course of play mm. is it true they're rare in europe so bingo Elves, huh. here's, here's a thing that I don't mind sharing. It's not like a big, huge story spoiler. Uh, elves aren't especially rare. Elves, in all of the places that the party have been to, are. It's also not an accident that so far the party, apparently all elves are like really snooty and yeah. distant. 
Did they take create a, their own little city that take, they all live Take in? a moment and consider that the only elves that anyone has met in the party have all been in incredibly high status positions. Yeah. You haven't met any elf that is not in a high status position. So it's one of those things where everyone's like, oh, all the elves are the same. It's like, no, you just insist on hobnobbing only with the very, very tippy top of the social pyramid. So here's one that is for everyone now on the story side. This is from Sazandorable. How much freedom does Alex get to play NPCs from the characters' backstories? Do the players give personalities, ticks, etc. for the NPCs, or does Alex get freedom to mess with characters that were just mentioned in passing in the written backstories? I think it's going to be more interesting if you both answer this rather than me. Um, you do whatever you want, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'll, I'll, like I, I like I, I gave maybe a sentence. Like I, I basically explained how. Azu and the NPCs in her backstory interacted and you just ran with it. Like, I thought Aaron Fairhands was going to be, like, less snooty. The reason Aaron Fairhands was the way Aaron Fairhands was was entirely based on your first interaction with them. <laughs> I deliberately oh. held back to Gage and then you were like, oh, I'm a little bit nervous, probably because it was, like, your first proper session. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> Azu's super near us around Aaron Fairhands. I will just pour petrol on that fire. Yeah. Yeah. I gave probably too much detail in the. the I would for, rather for that. Sasha. I would rather that. So the things were quite. So I know because Bryn has said it before uh, on tape that Luciana mm. was supposed to be sympathetic in his head. She was sympathetic, <laughs> and I think that picks up something really interesting that also came up with the Eldarian thing. So I had constructed over the years of us playing these characters. I obviously daydreamed a bit about them. They now have Bingo, like yeah. weirdly mm. a richer backstory that has never been on air. So that relationship with Eldarian became something. Yeah. So so it surprised me when a lot of people liked Eldarian with her. It surprised me up. as well, right? <laughs> I think all of us were like, hang on. Yeah, but, that, but then like Sasha's reaction, as is true in like the real world, was not just informed by what Eldarion did there and mm. then, but by the, Ye- thing, years of- the things that I'd written in the backstory and the context I'd given there, which were all obviously Sasha's perspective, and then also my thoughts of how like things that had happened in the game reflected that so it's yeah. it's like the the interesting thing that i don't know how much we've addressed on air of uh grizzop and wild right we um, haven't we haven't addressed that so on air at all i realized doing a re-listen grizzop had this idea that wild had been judgmental or even directly speciesist and mm-hmm. analogous to racism towards him but actually when you re-listen wild never said anything particularly aggressive to him, ever. Mm-hmm. He was just being wild, right? But he was being wild, and he, in fact, res- responded, talked about Grizzop in the exact same way that he had talked about Sasha, mm-hmm. where he said to someone, I like them, or like, oh, what an interesting thing you have here. But because of Grizzop's experiences, yeah. and because of the way that Ben was playing Grizzop, and the pace at which this all happens, like, Grizzop read it as an insult, and so then acted as if that was the, the way. And then Ben sort of seemed to incorporate that mm-hmm. or believed it the whole time that that was who Wilde was. Mm. And we then sort of talked about it and then said, well, this is something that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are things where you don't know that you're something that you might be saying to someone is upsetting. And so to Grizzop had been used to being objectified, that yeah. opened up old wounds. It was interesting one with that one specifically. It's in, like I, I didn't know if it would ever come up on air, which is 
out of everything, that's been probably the one that was the most problematic from a GM standpoint because it warped mm. Wild's path through this story. Mm. I mean, to be clear, Wild isn't an insert for me to bounce around my own story world. Like, he's really, really not. <laughs> but it did warp perceptions around him in such a way that I had to sort of roll with that. And I knew for a fact that he hadn't mm. been in that manner because, you know, I, I have... Amongst other things, him. <laughs> I deliberately make sure that that isn't the case. And B went back and triple checked. I hadn't let slip or anything. Right. But I was happy to let that play out as a, you know, what if that's the way it's being received? Okay, cool. Let's just yeah, let's just roll with that. But at the same time, I'd say that's probably the best example of one where, for reasons that I couldn't have controlled, a character got away from me a bit mm-hmm. because that was like a. I don't want to lean into this, but at the same time, I don't want to negate where Ben slash Grizzop's going with this. So I just mm-hmm. had to sort of back seat a little bit and play it out and see where it goes another question from the same person alex we know you've prepped storyline that's gotten skipped before how big of a chance was there that no one would fall while planar shifting and the ancient rome thing wouldn't happen um (gasps) extremely high um it was actually highly unlikely that things would pan out this way really Um, how do i put it i'm not going to dive into all of like the maths of it here i could at some point but it's really not that interesting it's just basic probabilities i had built it in such a way that having a large number of checks albeit not with a horrendous dc were built in such a way that it would generate a lot of (gasps) moments Mm. without Mm. actually following through <laughs> um, the I can tell you now, having gone back over it as part of uh, all of the edits and blah 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 blah. Uh, the reason it panned out that way is because Grizzop wouldn't close his eyes. <laughs> if you trace the mask down, if Grizzop had closed his eyes, everything would have been fine. Confirmed. Confirmed. And that's the that's just the maths. That's not. I actually think it was absolutely a good call character wise. Yep. But the maths <laughs> says if Grizzop had closed his eyes, everyone would have landed safe and sound. Just, just to be clear. It's all your fault, Ben. (laughs) Especially because you're not here to defend yourself. Yes. Right. This next question is from Diana Reed. Another one for me. With regards to splitting the party across thousands of years, (laughs) was this planned in the early stages of season three or was this a more recent idea? Did I have separate story plans if they had all succeeded in the rescue attempt or if they'd travelled to Rome in the first... Basically, how on earth Mm. did this come about? Just a genius. Are you you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Mm. I had always wanted some people to be in ancient Rome and written it off as a can't happen. I could, I could, I literally could not make it happen. There's all this cool <laughs> lore to do with the world, and was like, I have no way of introducing this or dealing with this in any way, except it move on. You know what? The mystery's more interesting. That's fine. <laughs> oh, boy. And then the original writing for that portal was if it mucked up in the way it was, instant death, dead, 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 death, dead, dead, dead. At the last moment... Not when I knew people were going to fall through, mm-hmm. but as it was going, I was like, "Is there something more interesting?" And here's something I shouldn't confess because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, don't show how the sausage was made. Mm-hmm. I introduced multiple timelines and all this nonsense on a whim. <laughs> what a disgusting so sausage answered, you have made! When I answered the question, this sausage is full of whim. <laughs> people were all like, "You always said you wouldn't do time travel. You lied to us." No, time travel's the worst. Time travel is the worst. I cannot recommend enough not doing it. At one point, here's here's where things get really weird. Sausage. (laughs) At at one point when we were doing recordings, I was juggling ancient Rome, modern day, and multiple production timelines all at the same time, all of which were co-interdependent on one another and could change. It was it was a living hell. 
Don't do it. I did it on a whim. I think it's worked, but it's worked due to fluke and <laughs> luck. It has not worked due to craft. I mean, so as, well, and, uh, no, as, as we can, you can cut all of that and just go, my original thing, he's just a genius. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, just put that bit in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Job done. Genius job done. Yeah. Right. I'm going to jump on. Cool beans. This question's from Emma. Now that Eldarian's here, I'm hoping we'll get some more Sasha backstory in show. <laughs> I was wondering if we'll ever find out exactly what Sasha was getting tutored on. Was it really just high society stuff or was it more like actual school? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think that's the right answer. Cool. I'm, I'm good with that yeah. as, a, as an answer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, baby. Poor Emma. <laughs> oh, we apologise. We're sorry. This question's from E. Nice, simple one. Mechanically, is Oscar Wilde a bard or a wizard? <gasps> Ooh. He is himself. Oscar Wilde is a bard. Hey! He just has learnt to sing really quietly sometimes when Alex doesn't want to do This question's from Distant Egg Song. Is Ed a higher level than the party? Was he min max so that we could just point him at evil and hope there's nothing shiny to distract him? Ed was originally built as my character for the side quest with Bertie, and he was built with one thing in mind, which was, yeah, I wanted him to be able to punch hard, but more importantly, he is actually a monster of a healer. It's just never really come up. His entire thing was he could, at a lower level, obviously at high level, kind of all of this has gone a bit muddy, but back then, he could heal people well at range. By basically Ooh. just going, get better, and they would. Um, <laughs> Did that to a leopard instead. But he was, yeah, literally, he was he was built for that. However, the reason that he comes across as a bit min-maxed is paladins have a couple of places where they just kind of go off. Mm-hmm. Literally in a version of hell or the underworld or whatever, fighting like outsiders and all that kind of thing, it's hard for a paladin not to kick ass mm-hmm. as long as they're not using a magic weapon that's going to explode and take their hand with it. Well, thanks for that, um, yeah. Mm. But genuinely, like, that was one where he he bossed his roles and also it wasn't that he was min-maxed to beat that creature, it's that I forgot to make him bad at <laughs> fighting that creature. So I checked his stats and went, good good grief. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that the baseline for this is unnecessarily high. I love Ed so much. <laughs> so this is a question from Alexandra. When the Medusa was defeated so quickly and easily, Lydia asked why, from a GMing perspective, I didn't just immediately send another. And I replied that I've got other ways to make things worse for the players. And then the hostage (laughs) storyline started. (laughs) If the Medusa had not been defeated easily and done some serious damage to the party, would I have saved the plot for later or not done it at all? Would the party have headed to Rome? Blah, blah, blah. There's a simple answer, which is the hostage situation would have gone off anyway but I was banking on the party not being in a situation to deal with it mm. so that they have the angst of having to deal with the immediate problem of a petrified friend and then do oh, the thing. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So so then it might be the other way around because Azu would have probably tried to stay to help the friend. You see. You oh. see through the mists of time. I do. The mists, they part. But yeah, that was that was the original intent is that I, I still hoped that people would be going after the hostages, obviously, like you don't introduce a hostage and tell them to leave it. But at the same time, I had kind of banked on there being a bit of angst, like maybe an, an, we felt an like episode or bums. two of angst. But yeah, you just... <laughs> total bad bums. You were just absolute bad bums. <laughs> this next question is from An Alert. This is for the players only. 
Uh, have there been turns of the story or points in the game that you've disliked? Not something that was scary or sad, but something that has made you enjoy the game less or made you worry that it's going in a direction you wouldn't enjoy. We Up didn't to... rob a pyramid. <laughs> and I'm still salty about it. Fair. Would have been very happy to rob a pyramid. <laughs> hmm. Are you, are you ready for a horrendous peek behind the curtain? Like the kind of absolute knowledge that you'll have wished you never knew. Oh, no. Go on, then. For you, Lydia, genuinely there was a cloak of the bat in there waiting for you. No! I, this whole thing would have been different if she'd have got that. Yeah, it would. The whole thing would have been gone. Yeah, it wow. would. But I promise you, that was that was going to be your reward for going in. Was yeah, there was the stuff that Cart was doing. It wasn't that big a deal. But amongst that, I mm. I should have just gone off and been like, split the party. <laughs> no, because this is truly out in edit. No, right? no, it's fine. Oh, it's right. Fine. Oh, okay. I don't mind. I don't mind sharing that with people. I've just kept it from you to now until I thought you were in a robust enough <laughs> state where you can, you can handle, handle such a piece of news. I would describe myself as miffed, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also just like this whole like I, you know I'm not so convinced by the urgency of the main quest at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been able to deal with everything so much better if Sasha had a cloak of the bat. You know what? Mm. Fair. That's why it was there. It would all have mm. been sorted. I did consider reintroducing it and I was like, no. No, it's there. And I know it's there. And who knows? Maybe you'll all go back one day. Unfinished business. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, uh... how about you, Helen? Mm. As has been said before, I would have liked more talking time. Mm. I think I would have liked that. But my main attitude of going into this is like a video game, even. Mm. Like when you're playing a new one, you're like, ooh, I don't know what's gonna happen. What's it gonna what's it gonna be? And you know, I don't I don't have I don't have like many expectations for where sure. it's gonna go. Sure, sure. I just roll with it. Oh, nice. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I did it fun! Yay! Those are rare. You Those roll are really the, rare. Roll with the rolls. <laughs> Another question from An Alert, which is a nice quick one. Which is your favourite NPC to play? Used to be Ed, definitely Einstein now. Mm. Not because of the voice, but because the way to play Einstein's dead easy. Right, turn off your brain in its entirety, <laughs> but own everything that comes out your mouth and just see what happens. It's not Ed who is, who is racked by doubt and unsurety. Einstein's like, absolutely everything that Einstein says has been... No prep for me whatsoever, but he owns it and triples down. It's all good. <laughs> it's a very freeing way to live. It's dangerous that I'm playing with it. I love Einstein. Einstein and Ed, they're so good. So, this one's from Eileen. Players, which NPC is your favourite? Ed. It's hard to choose between Einstein and Ed, but I think I'd go with Ed just because he's uh, oh, he's just so... He's so good. It's probably wild. Mm. I think just with the t amount of time you spend with him, that he's changed quite a lot, and the relationships between him and party members has changed in a way that interests me. Yeah, that yeah. was his point. So yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Honorable mention for Howard Carter because he was incredibly <laughs> annoying, yeah. but I recognise that he's a very funny yeah. character. He was entertaining. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, like, uh, I hate Carter. I really hate him. <laughs> Good. Like, Hamid's, Hamid's family, I, I sort of respect to seem like some of the realest people. Yeah. With like real emotions and stuff. But like, I see those. But I their see voices real... just weren't funny. Yeah, and I see, <laughs> but I see real people all the time. Like, <laughs> people that I meet out in the solid world are complicated and have feelings. And I, mm. that's just bothersome after a while. This next question's from Rebecca. Things have been coming to a head in the world for a while. Why was now the time for the big shift? This is a far more complicated answer and I'm going to try and give a quick, simple one too. 
there would not necessarily have had to have been a big shift. However, like a time jump. However, I realised a while before Rome that the way the story was panning out, it was going to have to. There is a version, like a platonic ideal of this campaign, where you guys didn't have to, I didn't have to do that and things progressed sort of over a longer period of time. Again, if it wasn't recorded medium, that's the lesson that I learned. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't recorded and we had the time for, cool, you guys spend three weeks in downtime, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. We, we eat some pizza and just discuss what you guys did for have three weeks. Have an ice cream yeah, it, yeah, exactly. But since that wasn't an option, around the Paris time into the sort of uh, Cairo time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to... Too many things have to happen to the world mm. for this story to work. For me to fit, if we're going at this pace, we'd have been playing the game till like 2057. <laughs> so Fine with that. as a result, that was when I realised that I needed to do it. As for why then, um, frankly, it was the best opportunity that I had. And it's the reason that I introduced the Rome time travel stuff is that time travel was already going to be happening in terms of a leap forward, which I don't count. Okay. Because at leap forward... That's less complication. I mean, we travel yeah. through time like that every time we go to sleep. This next question's from Rebecca and Mandy. Was the amount of time that would pass when the parties was in what they're calling the Hades plane predetermined? <laughs> Did I work it based on how long the rescue took? Was there a maximum minimum time it could be? It was not predetermined. However, I would have had to step in if you had, like, slept there for a week. Um, and I, I, like, I deliberately built it so oh that wouldn't God. really come up but no to be clear it wasn't a predetermined thing and there's a brief period in the recording where uh, Bryn's like I don't think your times are correct actually <laughs> what he did is he mistakenly extrapolated the fact that Ed said he'd only just gotten here as a uh, like indicator of time but you guys wasted a bunch of time getting to Ed and also Ed has very little perception of the passage of time <laughs> That was an intentional oh, no point. object permanence. Like, he genuinely cannot gauge these things. You guys wasted a bunch of time making it to him. We didn't waste. Sasha saw footprints and ran immediately. Yeah, you didn't immediately arrive on site. Good to go. Mm. But no, in fairness, I didn't use it as like, I didn't literally set a timer and then go from that. But I did use a, uh, there, there was a ratio that was kicking around in a there. A formula. Oh, an algorithm. Ooh. Mm. Um, but, it, yeah, there, I had a get-out if you had all stayed there ages, which is basically, I would have kicked you out like <laughs> like people who hadn't paid Hades rent. Hades literally like... Hades, <laughs> Hades, yeah. Hades was there to either kill you all or just be like, get out! Just go away! <laughs> oh, I would have preferred it if Hades had just like walked up like, what are you doing in my house? Get off my lawn! <laughs> evil lawn. Get off my evil lawn! <laughs> Uh, question from Duck Pond. Was Ed always going to meet them in Rome? I always hoped so. Aww. And I want you to know, this is the only part of it where I think that good story has been sacrificed on the altar of, I think it'd be fun to do Ed again. <laughs> um, he was always going to Rome and he was always going to get lost in Rome. On the off chance that the party ever went into Rome, he would turn up. Would he have just died there? Yes. Just... No! <laughs> Vera Ray asks, do Japan and Eastern regions have Greek-based cults or are their gods different? Uh, do we still have the chance of seeing a Japan adventure for Lolong? Spoilers, all of your questions will be answered. <gasps> oh. Okay, this one, simple one from uh, Kate2209. Mm-hmm. What's been your favourite moment this season? Hamid popping. <laughs> no, least favourite. No, I loved it. It was so, it was like this payoff of so many, like so many things stacked that it was just perfect. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like that, that whole moment of, uh, it's like, I mean, that and say, like that reminded me of the time where we were within rolling distance of dying back in queue. Yeah. And it almost, it genuinely feels like that is 
there may have been times where I was not aware of how close we were to death, but that feels like the those feel like the two times where we were the closest to TPK. Yeah. But yeah, so I like those because it feels like you wouldn't care about that experience if you didn't have years of emotional baggage. To how about you, to. Helen? Jumping out of the carriage. Oh God, <laughs> that's still my favourite. Horrendous. I just I like. Like for some reason, when we did that, and like I, I wasn't expecting anyone to follow me, I was about to just clank back to town by myself. But at that moment, I was like, "Yes, that's who Azu is. <laughs> that's where she is." Yeah, I'm yeah, so proud of that her. was a whole thing. You were I'm, the one who like made her awkward. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just worked with what you gave me. <laughs> I just tempered you on the steely fire of loss. Um, right. Nice, easy one to answer. Zombie who? Will time travel have a butterfly effect? None of your business. You'll, you can watch the show and you can find out. Um, this is from lots of folks. So Ooh. what I'm actually guessing is that Annals amalgamated about 50 different people's okay. question. Okay. What's Zolf up to these days? Is there any chance of him returning? A lot of his story hasn't been explored. Would I consider a spin-off with him? Blah, 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 blah. None of your business. You'll yeah. find out when you're ready. Like some of these people are just like, do you want to just watch the sh- like listen to the show? Like, you're the kind of person that reads the last chapter of the book first. Oh, what aren't an accusation! You? <gasps> aren't you? So we got a last question to, to round things off on. I realised that people wanted to kind of have a Q and A with everyone here, but we've we've done what we can. It's just us. So yeah. this, fortunately, we got opinions enough for. Oh, yes. Hours. Also, I think we've got more valid opinions on the people who aren't here than they have about themselves. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, 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 in a lot yeah. of ways, I think oh, it's yes. better for oh, it. Yeah, yes. yeah. So last question I'm, I'm saying is from Stuart McQueen. In a film version, who plays the whole party? Go. Oh! We don't get to oh, leave no. the room until we've picked. Okay, who's pretty enough to be Hamid? What's his face off Eye Zombie? Uh, Grizzop would have to be um, a CGI motion capture thing. Andy Serkis? Yes. The, the, the reason that you do Andy Circus, it would be Andy Circus doing what he occasionally does but doesn't get much chance to do, which is the nice monster thing, which he does Aww. better than anyone, but it doesn't come up as often as you'd think. Yeah. Who was the person you're thinking of? I was thinking of Rahul Kohli. He's not quite pretty boy enough. Yeah. He's likeable, gorgeous. Oh, he's so hmm. gorgeous. I'm going to go with um, Riz Ahmed just because I saw him play... Riz Ahmed a, would be perfect. A, like a posh yeah. millionaire. Yeah. I think, I'd, I'd I think Riz, Riz Ahmed. Ahmed could do an incredible job. Yeah? I'd go with Riz Ahmed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for hmm. Uh <laughs> I think Andy Serkis. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. think Andy Serkis should play both Bertie and Brutal. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be really good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, like the most hellish meet the flumps ever. Chris Hemsworth can be Ed, I think. Uh, yeah, he, he'd yeah. be fine. I mean, we literally did compare them. Yeah. Um, Plus, I think he'd really, really enjoy the chance to really just cut loose, like, mentally and just, just turn I mean, up. And have do you his seen, comedy! Have you seen Ghostbusters? But that's yeah. my point, is yeah. that, like, he, he loves He loves it. that, yeah. He loves doing that, so he, yeah. I think he'd... Yeah. Do his precious, precious Amazing. comedy. Amazing. Uh, Sasha would be possibly, like, Maisie Williams, maybe? Hmm, interesting one. I struggle with Sasha. The problem is, in terms of dress sense and style, I often end up turning to girl with a dragon tattoo yeah, I, <laughs> for I, I, Sasha. But I'm also like, as performers for that, no. Eliza no. Dushku. Ooh, she's, that's a good one. I don't know who that is. She uh, Faith was from Buffy. Faith in Buffy, and she was also uh, uh, the lead in the Dollhouse. So it does quite a lot of. Oh, I've <laughs> gotcha. been traumatised! <laughs> or whoever starred in Dark Angel. Hmm. 
overlooked. We're dancing around it. Azu, who plays Azu? I'm trying to think. I know Emiko is Winston Duke. Oh, good because, to know. Good like, to know. Yeah. Just, just want to be near him. Yeah. <laughs> God, can you imagine us casting these people? That'd be like, there's like all of my questions. I'm surprised you haven't made yourself like re- um, related to Idris Elba or something. <laughs> no, I mean, I like him, but he's like an uncle. That's why I said related. Okay. You want him in the room. You, 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 Azu doesn't want to marry him and run off into the sunset. <laughs> Idris Elba can be our own fair hands. <laughs> Oh my word. Yes. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Azu. I think I might say Danai Gurira because she's very good in combat roles and wielding large weapons. She the person who plays Okoye? Yes, that's Okoye. That, that, and that, I, I didn't want to and say whoever plays Okoye because I thought <laughs> that was a little too obvious. But no. yeah. She also played um, Michelle in The Walking Dead. Yeah. <gasps> um, <laughs> <laughs> They just became one person. That's yes. cool. So I just I know that her weapons work is good. So I've got I've got a wild card for you, but I really she really think it would it would work. Yeah, Oscar Wilde, Hugh Grant in a very English scandal. Yes, yes. Oh, but 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 not actually. But not literally. But, but not actually. But, Jeremy thought. But but, genu- but. <laughs> genuinely, like I was just like, oh yeah, that yes, that transplants well. Last chance, yeah. last chance. Is there anyone else that you want to cast in this? Because we're about and to send this off. Zolf? Oh, we didn't. Ooh, Zolf. <gasps> Game of Thrones. I just What's think his name? English could the, do it. The smuggler from Game of Thrones. Yes. Oh, you then know what we could do, do for that? Azu? What? We could just face swap anyone onto the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. What, Davos Seaworth? Yes. He's who I meant. Oh, oh, that smuggler. I thought you meant the other smuggler, which I was thinking was a... No, he was a pirate. No, not him. I was you mean Evil the... Ben? Davos Seaworth would actually be great. Davos Seaworth would be perfect for Zolf. Yes. Absolutely perfect for Zolf. Bang on. And Einstein would just... That's just a character actor of some kind. Yeah. Robbie Williams. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, Robin Williams. No, no, no. No, no, no. Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams. Einstein, but he sings as well. And he just keeps finding excuses to break into song. We're like, this isn't relevant, but he's he's living with angels instead, I guess. Like, just all the time. He's he's over Poseidon now. (laughs) Right, I I feel like we've... we've... She offers me protection because Poseidon didn't. (laughs) Right, I I think we have to draw a line here. Or we're going to end up casting everything and we've clearly just started enjoying ourselves instead of answering Mm. questions, God forbid. Yeah. How dare we enjoy ourselves? So I hope we managed to get to everyone that we could. If your question wasn't answered, I'm sorry, there are limited times. Like, this has been a long one anyway, and we did have to, like, smoosh a few of them together. But thanks, obviously, for everyone for listening. Thanks, everyone, for sending in your questions. I guarantee that most of the ones that I've seen are answered within a few episodes of the next season, which is good Ah. to know. But apart from that, just thanks for listening. Uh, We're looking forward to the next season, although I'll tell you what, it has been weird recording this Yep. out of sequence uh, we're like, yeah, weird. We're like really, really weird. nine Mid-brain. or ten episodes ahead in recordings yeah. to the questions we know that so we're many answering answers to so many of your questions <laughs> I'm just sitting there on the discord like <laughs> I just you know I worry will they still like us <laughs> and on that note <laughs> goodbye bye, bye. <laughs>
visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter at the Rusty Quill, or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the programme audio series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.